What's up? It's episode 84, Pain Points of Wealth. Markets go up, markets go down, markets go sideways. We have no idea where the direction the market is going right now. It's crazy out there. We've got good manufacturing data. We've got good employment data, yet it seems like something is looming on the horizon. We're going to break it down for you. What are views of the economy right now? How to position your portfolio best, given all the uncertainty in the world? And on the tipping point today, we've got lots of questions from you, the listeners. We're going to answer some of your questions that you brought in the last couple of months, some really good ones that we're going to address today to help you on your path to financial independence. We got a great show. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. So guys, I'm getting a lot of questions. Is this the 2008, 2009 Great Recession financial panic on the horizon, or is it different this time? You know, the four most dangerous words, according to Sir John Templeton, is it's different this time. And I don't think that it's 2008 and 2009 because we're seeing phenomenal economic numbers. We are, but I mean, it's just like the headlines every day. They just come in so dire. We had JP Morgan, as we're recording this, Jamie Dimon, the CEO, come out and say that we have a hurricane on the horizon. That's not really comforting. He's concerned about this big roll-off of all these bonds that the Fed's been holding on their balance sheet. He said it's unprecedented. He's worried about the war in Ukraine. Man, oh man, it just seems like every headline out there where you look, it's just negativity, negativity, negativity. Thank God we do this podcast to counter some of that. Well, you know, going back to dad's point, Rye, uh, about it being different this time, I actually talked to a client of mine this week, and he had pointed out that interest rates have never been this bad. It's never been worse. And I said, well, what was your mortgage back in the late 70s, early 1980s? And he said, well, it was like 18%. I said, well, what is it now? He said, it's 3%. I said, okay, so it's been worse before. Well, it has been, Chris, but you know, Jamie Dimon is talking about a hurricane on the horizon, but it is, there is a hurricane on the horizon. It's down in Mexico right now. It's out Hurricane Alex. So, you know, we started the hurricane season June 1st. So, but I think maybe he was talking more about the economy than the weather, but the economy's really strong. I mean, the PMI numbers just came out this week. You had manufacturing, which is at 55, which is positive. Remember, everything above 50 is positive. Everything below 50s is, you know, is negative. And the big surprise was the service PMI that came in at 56, well above the estimated 54. So we're seeing really good, strong orders, strong economy, which the Fed's not trying to extinguish. They're just trying to cool down a little bit. Well, that's right. A little bit of slowing is not the worst thing, but the way you read the headlines is the economy's slowing. Oh, no, it's a bad thing. That's what we're looking for. We want it to stop heating up. <laughs> like This is a positive, and it amazes me. Like, you hear this on all the networks right now, and I'm just going to nitpick on it because everything's so negative. It's like, well, inflation's higher now, and Americans need to spend more money just to keep up with that inflation. But what about all the trips Americans are going on? I'm here in France right now as we're recording this. I'm literally in Nice, which is a town right here. You know, it's a big summer town for Europeans, middle-class Europeans. Guys, it's not even the season yet. It's been more crowded than it's ever been. Like It's the middle of the summer here because there's so many people globally right now that are actually spending money, yes, but it's not just to keep up with inflation, it's to have a good time. You know, like people are actually spending money, but of course they saved it and they want to spend it because they want to get out and do things. It's called pent up demand. Wait a second, Rye. Am I to understand that you're on vacation again? You know, I noticed I was looking at the company Amex bill this month and I was wondering why everything's in French. Well, I figured, you know, Chris goes on vacation every week. You know, I could at least take a little vacation here, Bob. <laughs> 
All right, guys. So, you know, now you're making me jealous, but let's get back to what we're talking about here today. So you have interest rates were supposedly rising. We kind of stalled out with the 10-year under 3%. So that's not really that awful. Price of oil keeps going up. And I think that's something we've got to keep an eye on because you can't have oil keep continuing to go higher, which it could. But I think you've got to see that cool down a little bit. But, you know, the market is getting cheaper. Earnings are going up. So the P.E. ratio is actually going down. So you're seeing the valuations come in line. And especially the more speculative area of the markets have really have cooled off. Where, you know, if you look at what happened over the last four or five months, you know, you have energy at a new high, commodities at a new high, and value stocks are actually positive for the year. No, it's a good point. And I'm hearing a lot of narratives out there like, man, nothing's cheap right now. You know, market's all at peaks and I'm waiting for it to come down. Like, what are you waiting for? Right. We just had a dramatic repricing of equity prices. And it doesn't really matter what sector, arguably disruptive technology might be overvalued here. But even like Facebook right now trades like a value stock. So I think, you know, we have a point right now where to your point, Bob, market got a lot cheaper, a lot quicker. And it's just like the question is, if you're sitting in cash right now, like, what are you going to do? You know, inflation is going to stay higher right now. Meanwhile, dividend yields are up 11% over the last year when inflation was only eight, <laughs> right? And if you look at dividend yields going into the year, rest of the year, rather, it's going to go up 7%. So by owning productive assets that are paying you cash flow, that's going to go up faster than inflation. That's a damn good deal from where I'm standing. Well, the one I love is I had a client call me the other day and he was very upset. Now, my clients, remember, guys, my clients are all baby boomers. They don't go online to check their account. They wait for their monthly statement. So he hasn't seen his monthly statement, doesn't realize that he was actually up this past month, that he's actually not down that much for the year. But it turned out his neighbor was down a million dollars. And he said, this is really bad. And I said, well, wait a minute. What's he invested in? Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> how much did he have? I mean, a million dollars. He has a billion dollars down a million. That's not a big deal. Oh, I don't know. They said, well, why do you care about what your neighbors are? Well, I just think it's, you know, things are really bad. I said, well, they're not. You know, meanwhile, the portfolio is doing really well. And the thing is, when the market turns, it's going to turn very, very quickly. It really is. And to your point, Bob, it really depends on the portfolio you're in right now. Because yes, if you overloaded on tech, you overloaded on growth, you got hammered. <laughs> but, you know, look at our diversified portfolio over the last couple of months. You know, we own commodities in our portfolio. If you own value stocks in your portfolio, if you own a lot of parts of the market that aren't tech, you know, you're only down a couple percent for the year. That's not that bad considering all the uncertainty right now. Well, going back to that point about investing in disruptive technology, I was talking to a client of mine this past week and he sent me a text at five o'clock in the morning saying, hey, I'm really glad you convinced me not to get into Bitcoin because he had a friend of his a year ago who retired because of where his Bitcoin portfolio is. So I wrote back, I said, is that guy still retired? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't. He's probably going to be uh, going after one of those 11 million jobs that are out there. There's job openings right now, Chris. I mean, that's the thing. You got unemployment coming out tomorrow, and we're probably going to see a 3.5% unemployment rate. How can you have a recessionary economy when everybody's employed? That's a half a century low, Bob. 50 years. That's incredible. And you know what amazes me too is when you look at the professional investors out there, Bank of America comes out with their survey of how they're allocated right now. They're sitting two-thirds in cash. They're, they're one of the most bearish positions they've ever been. And this is why professionals usually underperform, because it's kind of like you know, you're sitting on like this huge powder keg, right? And you just need one catalyst that's really, really positive. Maybe the war in Ukraine comes to some sort of conclusion. I don't know. You know, maybe there's some positive around inflation. Then all of a sudden, you've got all this cash on the sidelines. It funnels in at the same time. And if you miss that boat, you miss everything. There's just too much risk right now not to be invested. You know, Rye, that's like pretty much sums it up right now. There's actually trillions of dollars that need to find a home. 
Now, a lot of people are sitting on their hands waiting to see what happens, right? What, I want to see when oil comes down. I want to see what the Federal Reserve is going to do. But I got to tell you right now, if you get a whiff of the Federal Reserve being happy with where inflation's heading, we start to see a trend down a little bit. You start to see the supply chain disruption and you get just one whiff that the Federal Reserve is not going to keep raising interest rates, you're going to see a rip your face off rally like you've never seen in your lives. That's why you have to stay invested because you can't time this. I don't know what's going to happen. It may happen tomorrow. It may not happen until the end of the year. But you have to be invested. You have to be prepared because the market's going to be higher. It's going to hit new highs at some point. Remember, we're at a new high in January. We just go back to the new highs that we had just this past January. You're going to make 20% on your portfolio. So stay the course, stay invested, keep the faith. It's coming. I just don't know when. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 84, Pain Points of Wealth. We love doing this podcast. We have over 80,000 downloads now. Thank you for your support. And if you really like our podcast, you love it, please give us a like, give us that five-star rating if it's on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify. If it's on YouTube right now, you can click the like button, click the subscribe button, click that notification bell. You can be updated every single week of all our new content. We appreciate your support. The more support you give us, the more we can continue to do this podcast. Thank you. And please give us a like, five-star rating. Give us a subscribe on Spotify and YouTube. All right, gentlemen, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-A, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris, you know, at our firm, Pain Capital Management, we have over a thousand clients. We manage somewhere around a billion dollars and we get a lot of questions. And you know, our listeners and our clients have given a lot of questions the last couple of weeks. So I thought we could answer them here right on the show. And the first question comes in, I think is great because a lot of people probably have the same questions about their financial independence plan. So the first question that came in is, my wife and I are in our 50s and are thinking about changing our lifestyle to do some traveling while we work remotely. What would your advice be towards building a million-dollar portfolio of dividend-producing stocks to supplement our income while we travel for a couple of years? This would consist of solid blue-chip dividend stocks and some REIT stocks with high-paying dividends. Thank you for your feedback. You know, guys, this happens every cycle, right? You have disruption, volatility to market, then everybody runs to cash, short-term bonds, and then the whole panacea. I'm going to own dividend-paying stocks. Now, you know, when we make projections for clients, we try to stress the living daylights out of their financial plan, and we use a 5% assumed rate of return. Well, what's the first thing a newbie investor does? Oh, they look and say, AT&T pays a 5% dividend. Verizon pays a 5% dividend. Why don't I just put all my money there? Hey, AT&T just cut their dividend in half. Wow, this reminds me of an old Bobism that you have is basically chasing yield. There's been more money lost chasing yield than at the point of a gun. <laughs> so, you know, I think the bottom line here is you got to be really careful because I think dividends, cash flow is important, but it's having the right cash flow because a lot of times you get these very enticing dividends, like a lot of these private REITs that the brokerage firms like to push that were paying eight, 9%. But the problem is you don't get your principal back and that's problematic. So it's really important to be careful with the kind of income you're actually generating. Well, the other thing too, guys, is that this couple's in their 50s and just because they're going to be traveling doesn't really change the overall financial picture for them. You know, they still need to be focused on what their inevitable financial goal is and that's retirement. And as we know, being in your 50s, that's a financial red zone. So it doesn't really make sense to make these drastic changes to your portfolio to meet a goal that's in the near future. You know, you want to be able to keep your eye on the long-term goals as well. Yeah, and that's an even bigger point is you can't speculate in individual stocks. Even if you buy an AT&T, I'm not speculating, I'm buying a blue chip stock. Well, guess what? It's not a blue chip sock now. It's a dented old wreck that somebody kicked to the side of the road. Any individual company can go to zero. 
Stock market never has. So you always want to have a diversified strategy. You don't know which companies are going to do well or which ones are going to do poorly going forward. The market knows, right? Investors are better served to be fully diversified and not make big bets on any one area of the market. Well, that's the, the irony here, right? It's like, okay, well, the professional managers can't outperform the market picking stocks. Why do you think you can, <laughs> right? I mean, it's so hard to do it. And to your point, Bob, you can buy a diversified portfolio or an exchange traded fund that's low cost. It's such a better way to do it and you mitigate your risk dramatically. The other point I'll make too is, you know, it sounds great to say my whole portfolio is going to be income generating assets. But like in our portfolios this year, we own commodities. They pay nothing, but they're up over 30%. So you have to have great diversifiers in your portfolio too. You can't just focus on income generating investments. You've got to focus on spreading your money out because in any given year, you know, some things are work, some things aren't going to work. The only thing working this year are commodities and they don't pay any dividends. And price matters, right? When you make an investment, you have to look at the valuation, right? If you invested in the tech bubble, you know, tech bubble type stocks back in 2000, it took you 15 years to break even and you didn't collect a dividend, you know, insult to injury. So when you look at your portfolio, you want to be certain that you have money, not just in the U.S., not just in dividend paying stocks, so to speak, but you want to have money spread around the world because the higher yields are now available outside of the U.S., and the dollar's been very strong, so if the dollar starts to weaken, you're going to start to see non-U.S. stocks outperform U.S. stocks for the first time in 10 years. Yeah, that's right. In a way, it's probably more important to have a diversified portfolio than a high-income-generating portfolio, which may sound counterintuitive because, again, like if you buy lots of blue-chip stocks that you like, well, they're all going to probably act the same way, right? Because when the market sells off in blue-chip companies, they throw the baby out with the bathwater. So that one piece I think most of you are missing right now, because we look at like 50 portfolios a month, is not having that proper diversification. You're over-concentrated one area or the other. And the problem is you don't even know it because you have lots of investments. You think you're diversified, but you probably aren't. Well, you know what I love, guys? I'm getting a lot of pushback from some of our newer clients that are coming on board. Say, no, I hear bonds are bad. Bonds are going to underperform because the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. Well, the fact of the matter is yields are very attractive right now in the bond market. If you own the individual bonds, you get paid while you wait for them to come due. And if rates do go higher, you get to reinvest at a higher rate. Kind of like what I've been doing for people for 50 years. It's not different. It's the same. It's just a matter of sticking to the strategy, sticking to your knitting, giving you the highest probability of success. Yeah. And it's about customization because the real magic or the art of it is, is like building a portfolio allocation that's based on your goals specifically, right? So, you know, you could ask me like, should I have 50% in bonds? 60% in bonds. Well, it really depends on your goals specifically, right? How much you should have in real estate versus having in blue chip companies that pay dividends or commodities. Really, I mean, that's the magic, or we'll say the customization that really gets determined by what your goals are. Then you go back and you build that allocation around that. And I'm going to bet the house most of you haven't done it that way. Well, you know, speaking of planning, guys, I mean, here's a really good question as it relates to financial planning and why you shouldn't react in the market. And the question is, do either of you favor selling stocks at this time or just riding the carnage out? In other words, is this a correction or the beginning of a bear market? You know, Chris, this is what I love. Whether it's a correction or a bear market, who cares? You know, the market is down, your portfolio is down. Some parts of the portfolio are down more than others. But if you look at the history of the financial markets, of the equity market, the stock market over the last 300 years, all dips are temporary. They eventually recover to all-time record highs. Now, this may be the first time ever. Matter of fact, I'm going to take the plaque off my desk that says the world doesn't end very often and say, hey, maybe it might this time. I mean, it's so ridiculous. You know, you're going to have that volatility. Volatility exists 
for you to take advantage of. That's the only way you get that equity risk return. If you don't have that volatility, you're not going to have the long-term returns that you get from equities or from stocks. So you only sell stocks when you need to rebalance. You never sell a stock out of fear because you're going to catch the bottom, not the top. Well, I say when there's carnage, it's a good time to be a vulture. <laughs> Let's start the Chris Payne Vulture Fund. Well, just another point on top of that, though, with things down, it's a good time to reevaluate, right? Because when the market does recover, it's not necessarily going to be the same places that were the best place to be before. And I think this is really, really important because we see this. You might be thinking, oh, man, my tech stocks are down big. I can't sell them now. I just want to ride tech out. But what we see is when you have a market recovery, a lot of times, tech is typically the laggard. We saw this back in 2000 when the tech bubble burst. And to your point, Bob, earlier in the show, it took like 15 years to make that back. So it's like, I've said this before, if the tide's down, your boat's got some holes in it, it's sinking, you can jump over to this more sturdy boat over here. So when the tide rises again, you're, you're going to be in a much better position to benefit from that. But you do want to address the fact that you probably want to reallocate. You just don't want to go to cash and miss this magnificent rally that's going to be around the corner somewhere. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. But if you saved over a million dollars and you want a more hands-on approach, get a full review of everything you're doing, we literally do a complimentary free review if you go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan and see if you qualify for a full holistic review. We'll go through every position you own. We'll do a deep dive. We'll look for all those hidden costs in your portfolio, show you how to reduce them. We'll show you how to optimize your portfolio for taxes tax swaps, any sort of tax vehicles that we can be utilizing so there's more money in your pocket, not the government's, and we'll put together a full savings and income plan to make sure you're on track for your financial independence plan, build your own personalized financial portal, get a bird's eye view of your entire financial life, and hone in on every financial issue you have. If you have over a million dollars and you want this complimentary review, simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, global GDP is around $94 trillion, or estimated to be this year. The U.S. represents only 25% of that, which says to me, Bob, there might be some opportunity to invest maybe outside the U.S.? Well, first of all, you know, when I watch the headlines and the news every night, you don't ever hear them talking about, we're at an all-time record high global GDP, $94 trillion, which is an enormous amount of growth. I mean, it's going to be like $4 trillion in growth this year alone. So recession, non-recession, you know, who cares? The economy's growing. And if we're only 25% of the global GDP, there must be some opportunities in the other 75%, which is why I think a lot of you should start thinking, have some money outside the U.S. stock market. There's opportunity. It's knocking. It's knocking every day. Well, speaking about GDP, think about how different life is today from what was in 1999, the way we worked, the way we communicated, I don't think I maybe had a cell phone back then. And gross domestic product in the United States in 1997 was 8.6 trillion. Last year it was 23 trillion. That's a lot of growth over the last two decades. Well, I know for a fact, Rob, you did not have a cell phone back in 1999. But I also remember having to go to the library at school to physically plug my laptop in so I could communicate on AOL Instant Messenger. Now, I got to be honest with you guys. I'm really thinking about joining this whole internet thing. It sounds like it's a real trend we might want to get on. Well, Rye, if that's the case, I got a nice dial-up modem that I can sell you for a premium. You still have your flip flown, Rye? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob. A sign of the times. Saudi Aramco replaced Apple as the world's most valuable company. 
the Saudi Arabian oil company's market cap on May 11th reached $2.426 trillion, surpassing Apple's $2.4 trillion by over $10 billion. Sign of the times, old school energy surpassing technology. What's going on here? What's going on here is exactly what we kind of predicted last year. We said, hey, within a year, tech stocks are going to be selling off and we're going to have a momentum trade in oil stocks. And here we are with an oil company with the largest market cap in the world. Just reminds us every single day, markets are cyclical, right? Valuations matter. And right now, oil's king probably won't be in a year. Man, the podcast foresight here, unbelievable. It's almost like we have a crystal ball. Hey, <laughs> I wish. All right, Chris. Since 1936, dividends have contributed 36% of the total return of the S&P 500, according to Bank of America. Expect payments again to grow by 13% this year, much higher than inflation, by the way, as companies that sit on $7 trillion in cash look for sweeteners to offer their shareholders. Well, you know, guys, this is why I don't understand why anybody would want to sit in cash, because you know what? You don't collect those dividends sitting outside the market and sitting in cash. You know, income becomes, eventually becomes more than half of your return. So no reason to sit on the sidelines, collect that money. The market's bribing you to wait. You know, Chris, I agree with you. And the thing about dividends, it's not so much that you earn dividends, it's what you do with them. Remember, wealth creation is about owning the most shares of something before it goes up. So as markets are volatile now, whatever goes down the most is what you should be using your dividends to invest in. Because the more shares you have when it goes up, the wealthier you're going to be. Well, another great show, gentlemen. If you like our show, love our show, hope you enjoyed episode 84, Pain Points of Wealth. Please give us a like, give us a five-star rating. If this is on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, give us a like. Click the subscribe button and click that notification bell so we be updated every week of all our new content. That's it for this week's Pain Points of Wealth. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.